circle, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. On tonight's show, we are honoring fathers and fatherhood. With Father's Day coming up on Sunday, we wanted to celebrate the beloved father figures in our lives. We know that fathering is nuanced. Its realities don't always match the sugar-coated Hallmark holiday. Tonight, we'll dive into the joy and pain of fatherhood. On tonight's show, we'll hear an excerpt from an open love letter to black fathers. We'll listen to poetry and commentary from sons about their fathers. And my dad joins us in the studio for a conversation about what fatherhood means to him. All that tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts. I'm Kat Petru. And I'm Teresa Adams. Please stay with us. Good evening again, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle. Tonight, we are speaking to our fathers, and we start off the show with Ephraim Colbert's salute to his dad. It's that time of year again, Father's Day. Strip malls and outlets across America will be selling ties, cufflinks, shave kits, and barbecue equipment during this summer holiday celebrating fatherhood. Backyards will fill with the smell of slow-cooked, delicious meat products. The kids will be running around with squirt guns trying to stay cool. Depots across America will be out the door, full of dads ready to start their summer projects. I love my parents equally. Well, my mom a little more than my dad. In my household growing up, my dad made it clear who the lead dog was. I'm the lead dog. <laughs> dog. <laughs> dog. Mac the lead dog. <laughs> dog. I'm the oldest of four. At a young age, my dad instilled in me life lessons in regards to leadership and following your dreams. If I was to think of a popular figure who possessed the same qualities as my dad, it would be Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Nobody does anything without help, Will. People open doors for me, and I've worked hard to open doors for you. It doesn't make you any less of a man to walk through them. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> What can I do? <laughs> 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 
think I should do? <laughs> I, I don't know. Reward us for our honesty? <laughs> Hey, hey, it worked for the beam. <laughs> Do I look like a white guy named Ward? I mean, what is it that makes men act like that? Uh, it's a testosterone, the male hormone. And women don't have testosterone? Oh, well, I, I believe they do, but theirs is uh, dormant most of the time. <laughs> Dude, excuse me. Wait, wait, Uncle Phil, hold on. You don't know the answer to none of these questions I'm asking you, do you? No, I guess I don't. Then why didn't you just say so? <laughs> because I'm a man. <laughs> and you could be poetic. His corpulent flesh rolls around his bones like a sick chocolate pudding. <laughs> or scientific. He is so huge that food comes to him from the gravitational pull alone. <laughs> Or you could be quizzical. Is that your head or is your neck blowing a bubble? You could be ribald, ironic, vaudevillian, whatever. But be creative. You got that? Anything you say, sir. Uncle Phil was a very wise man, but truthfully, could not compare to my father. My dad was able to take himself out of a dire living situation in inner city Detroit. He has worn several hats as a minister... U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant, Forest Service Accountant, and worked as an actor for a couple of years. I love my dad. Bert Lamoth Colbert, Dad, Happy Father's Day. And a Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. This is Audio Desperado, Ephraim Colbert. Father. I'm gonna color 
Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. You just heard Color Him Father by the Winstons. And before that, a salute to Dad by our own audio desperado, Ephraim Colbert. Up next, we are honored to share with you an excerpt from Delina Dream Productions. It was originally presented as a stage performance, a choreo poem, and we think the words alone offer a powerful message. Here is an open love letter to black fathers. I have a hole in my heart the size of my father, my first love. Not only do I believe you can do it, I know you will. He lifted me with those words more times than I can count. Let them swing first, but make sure you land first and last. Preparing me for a rowdy middle and high school life. This is good and I'm proud of you. But the real one is in four years. That was my eighth grade graduation. He never even finished high school. You like to put the cart before the horse. Try it the other way. And the first time he watched me wail from a big heartbreak. Do you, uh, want some shoes? <laughs> That's my daddy. Sense of humor, wisdom, temper, face, party spirit, hand, defiance are every bit reflections of my own. No, he wasn't there the day I was born, and he wasn't there to see my first step. But he was my first step into truth, a world of human magnificence. Never give up, you got this! And human error. Going in the other room now. My first love, my first step into adulthood was to understand that he has demons. And I cannot fight them for him. The first step to overcome an addiction is to admit you have a problem with addiction is you can't give up. Once you give up, the needles and bottles and beer on the wall, behaviors, bad habits, and tempers that follow, you don't really give up. You simply replace it with another thing about the first step is it ain't the last step. You gotta commit step another. 
Welcome back to Full Circle here on KPFA 94.1. We are your hosts, Teresa Adams and Kat Patru. We just listened to an open love letter to black fathers performed by Delina Patrice Brooks, Tossie Long, Kriya Merchant, and Noah James. For more information about the incredible show and the book, go to our website, kpfaapprentice.org. We have a link there for you. When we talk about the shows we want to present here on Full Circle, foremost in our minds is what can we tell our audience that is informative and we hope uplifting. We hope this is one of those shows. We know that everyone will not see their dad on Father's Day. I won't because my dad is no longer with us. But I remember the happy moments we spent together and the things he taught me. I see the birthday cake on the kitchen table just for me. 
I hear him ask me if everything is all right and if I have everything I need. I see his face and I hear his words and I know that although he is not physically here anymore, he is never far away. Our time on earth is over, but we are never apart from each other. Even as I say these words and understand how fortunate I am, I hear the words of one of our group members who said to us, not everyone has the opportunity to get to know his or her father. In the peace and open love letter to black fathers, the girl's father was taken away because of the poor, cho poor choices he made and because of the impact of systemic racism on our lives. But she remembers his efforts to be encouraging and give good advice. That open love letter and our colleagues' words are a reminder that some of us have empty spaces in our hearts that need to be filled and questions that may never receive answers. We take a moment to honor those who have persevered without a dad, those who are still trying to find their way in the world without this parental figure, and those who have had their dads with them all along. This next piece is from our very own David Delagrande. The dynamics between my father and I are special and in no way unique. In that, my father was in and out of my life until I was about eight, mostly out, but then he was just out. He left his mark of machismo, chauvinism, on my mother and the 20 years they spent together. All of my older siblings know him well, and from time to time, his old friends will introduce themselves to me saying they knew him. I definitely feel alienated whenever friends in circles share stories about their dads. And I would love to share, except it just so happens that I was too young to really establish many memories with him. The stories I have heard make my dad out to be a man's man. Strong, quick-witted, resourceful, amicable. But the drink brought out the worst parts of his corazón con pelos his rashness and quick temper. I never actually saw him drunk, but I've heard stories, and whenever you add liquors and spirits to the mix, well, I hope you choose the right one because the consequences are real. I couldn't tell you how important it is to have a father figure in your formative years because I don't know any different. Like a boat without a rudder. I didn't learn the things that I suppose a father should teach his kids, like tying a knot, work ethic, women, etc. I yearned for it, though, and I looked for father figures in every grown man that I came in contact with. I can recall one time being in tears at night and complaining to God that even Jesus had a father in Joseph. I did, however, find comfort in thinking that God himself could be a good substitute for what I was missing. So I grew up forming my own consensus and views of the world from the tidbits that I uncovered along the way. Anyways, in my 30th year, I decided to spend some time in the summer to visit the man in his own home country, in a beautiful flat in paradise, in a close-knit community with winding streets set against a hill. Father has been remodeling his house, and it's only imagination that makes up how it must have been many years ago. Still, in the aluminum tin roof, the rain makes soft music, intermittent spurts. It's a cozy place with little furniture, and you get used to the smell of roosters and chickens. We went to the bustling market, and sure enough, 
dad knows everybody, and everybody knows dad. From all the salespeople to all the drunk guys, the bolos, or charamileros. There was Rata, Chucho, too many to name. Even the street thugs know his name and offer respect. He's a great man, beloved by all. On the way back to his place, my father retraced his steps and his haunted memories of the seven straight years he spent sloppily slumped on the sidewalks, crawling under cars for shelter from the sun. He spoke about how the drink got the best of him time and time again, and how he always carries us in his thoughts, and that he always dreams of us, but as kids. We sat around our usual evening talks and explored our anger a little bit. I heard the history of his own absent father, and I wondered how the sins of the father get passed down to the son. I learned that he was always in and out of jail, mostly for drunkenness, and that in the USA, the drug war locked him up for much longer than a night over a minor nonviolent drug offense, long enough to keep him out of my life. I don't blame him. He lives hard and by his own rules. I can see that I would have been a vastly different person had he been around. For the better? I don't know. What I have learned is that the blood carries information in it. Without wanting to, I understand now why people would tell me, you're just like your father. Before, it would anger me. Now I know that I have my own life in my hands and I can be at peace with who he is. I asked him what his dream would be if he won the lottery. And he said that he would get a new car, a case of liquor, el venado, and a woman and go visit the country. He laughed, saying that he would probably spend it all, not die, and be poor again. I laughed at his joke as well, a little bit uneasily, as I wondered if he was serious. Regardless, in spite of circumstances and bad decisions, I know now that he is a good man. That was David de la Gran sharing reflections about his father. Thank you, David, for that powerful personal reflection. It's definitely not always easy to share these confusing <clears throat> and challenging aspects of our lives. No, it's not, because sometimes we have questions and we're just afraid to ask. Right, because we're taught not to go there or to show these feelings, especially as men who are so often socialized to have a tough guise. It is humbling and illuminating to share these accounts by such courageous men. And that term tough guys, G-U-I-S-E, mm-hmm. is a play on words like tough guys, G-U-Y-S, by activist and scholar Jackson Katz, whose work disrupts the normalization of this kind of heteropatriarchal culture. And how does he do that, Kat? Um, he, he demonstrates how mainstream media perpetuates this image of masculinity uh, where men have to be tough or aggressive, um, where men aren't supposed to be sensitive or show emotion. Um, it's like the machismo David was talking about in his piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mind, I think of that as the line in the sand where we find out, you know, who's that um, great father and that neglectful father and he put all of them together in his right it's so much more nuanced than that um and leave it to you to identify that uh, well the personal is always political exactly so up next we have a poem from yet another creative and inspirational male figure 
James Damiani is a passionate youth educator who has dedicated his career to generating safe, healthy spaces for young people and elders alike to grow and learn and find a sense of connectedness. He has been a writer and poet since he discovered the healing power of poetry at the age of 13 and is the co-founder of Naturally Expressive Leaders, an organization that uses restorative justice and expressive arts therapy techniques to support youth and adults alike as they cultivate resilience in the face of trauma. In this poem, James does just that, using the magical act of writing and sharing poetry to communicate and explore the healing of his relationship with his own dad. You only exist as an imaginary image in my mind. When I was young, I would find myself staring into the mirror, tracing the curves of my face, wondering which features were yours. I was never quite sure where our destinies would overlap. I asked my mother questions about you. Her pain and shame tainted the picture she would paint of you. Consequently, I could never find pride in being a product of your seed. She would only speak of weeds, making it hard for me to see how I could ever bloom into a flower. I desired to hear lovely stories about you. I would fabricate tales of power and grace handed down to me through your lineage, stories of you that would never come true. I longed to know of your roots to understand the history that nurtured my growth. I created fables about my ancestors as I would look into the mirror and trace the curves of my face, trying to find you. I wished I could see you, hear your voice resonating in my words, but you always remained a mystery to me. I knew that your light shined through me, that your warmth nourished a fertile seed which was planted inside of my mother's womb, one that gave life to a curious, creative soul. One that gave life to me. A child that would bloom into a beautiful, beautiful man that you would never see. And still, sometimes, I find myself looking into the mirror, tracing the curves of my face, trying to figure out which features are yours. Wow. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA. Again, you just heard a poem from James Damiani. Yeah, well, James currently lives and works in the Bay Area, but right now he is on a journey in Canada. So it's a huge honor that he took time to reflect on that relationship with his dad and share this poignant poem and reflection with us. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Up next is our very own Free Will and Franklin. Whoop, whoop. He always comes through for us, and this time is no different. We asked the members of our group to tell us something about their fathers. Since different people live different lives and have unique experiences that mold the image of their fathers and lay out the story of why their fathers are the people they have become, this story gets sparked from the bold step the 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick took as he refused to stand for the national anthem back in August 2016. But his roots go back to the colonization of this land we call America. This is Why We Stand. I watched Kaepernick take a knee during the national anthem. 
it was inspiring. But it's hard to take a knee in front of my dad because he always stands for the national anthem. My dad, he's an indigenous man to this turtle island. He's dark, dark brown, more a real red color. Through this skin, he has experienced racism in his life. I know because he's told me. We always stand for the national anthem. Our relatives, our ancestors were killed and land taken. We were sent to reservations and boarding schools, stripped of culture and language, beaten and killed. We always stand for the national anthem. Our people, like others from this turtle island, were hunted for bounty to near extinction, an act of genocide. And we always stand for the national anthem. We always stand for the national anthem. And my dad always says, take off your hat. I know his brother, my uncle I never met, John Charles Sterling, was killed in war for this country in Vietnam. He was 19. All our lives we had stood for the national anthem. But while tears roll down some faces for love of country, reminiscences of war, and an emotional song, these tears fall for other reasons. This is Free Will and Franklin. Peace. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. You just heard the Star Spangled Banner performed by the one and only Jimi Hendrix. And with that song, a commentary by our own technical director, Free Willen Franklin, who makes the statement, why we stand, and also subversively, subversively poses the question, why do we stand? On tonight's show, we're reflecting on fathers and fatherhood. We don't need to wait for Father's Day to honor these meaningful figures in our lives. 
Our relationships with our dads and our dads' relationships to us vary so much. From grief to longing, memory to triumph to heated debates, and the tenderest of moments, tonight we are recognizing the significance of fathers in our lives. We are your hosts, Kat and Teresa, and right next to me, I am thrilled to welcome my dad to Full Circle. Hello. My dad, Anthony Stephen Petru, was born in England to Czech parents. When he was three years old, they sailed on the Queen Elizabeth II to British Columbia, then moved to Santa Barbara when he was six, and finally settled in Los Angeles when he was seven. My dad's dad was recruited to the Czech Regiment of the British Army during World War II, and my dad's mom survived Terezin, a concentration camp in the Czech Republic. They were both persecuted in the Nazi Holocaust for being ethnically Jewish. I remember the story of Nana and Papa's wedding day. Nana and her mother, Granny, had to board a ship to Panama, where they stayed for nine months until they both finally got visas to go to England to be with Papa. Growing up in L.A., my dad played all the sports, served on student government, participated on debate team, and performed in theater, or as he says it, theater. <laughs> to this day, Shakespeare remains one of his most beloved inspirations, and they even share the same birthday. Today, my dad has been lawyering for over 30 years, fighting for the rights of railroad workers. He loves music, always playing it a little louder than my mom or I would like, and rewinding the tracks, especially when we were little, to make sure my siblings and I caught every single lyric. He was my soccer coach for 12 years and is currently my housemate. Thank you, Dad, for carving out the time from your busy schedule to be here with us tonight. It's my pleasure. All right, so I would love to start out with Papa. Um, I just mentioned the, the journey he took throughout his life uh, and then wound up in L.A. raising you and your siblings. So can you please tell us more about your dad? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest memory, the, the biggest impression I have of him is the a combination of, of humor but a certain cloud that hung over him as a result of the Holocaust. Um, he clammed up about the experiences in the war and the effect of the war and, and the, the hatred, the distrust people had to each other had on his family, and it was very difficult for him. Uh, the, he balanced that out with uh, hard work, a little bit too hard, I think. Uh, we grew up in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, and he would get up and leave before I woke up and usually got home right around dinner time, and then fell asleep. Mm. And it's one of the, the lasting impressions that I had that I would never do that. So and out of my love for him and, and seeing what hard work and reestablishing oneself after you know the, the rendering apart that something like the Holocaust and World War II had on his family, and I wanted to make sure that we didn't do that. So one of the rules, kind of in response to what I saw from my father, the rules that Sal, your mother, is right out there, Hi, Mom. and I had was that you know we wouldn't live through any tunnels or over any bridges. We would work and live in the same community um, so mm. that we could be together more um, mm. at the end of the day, which doesn't help when I fly across the country to try cases where the railroad is, but you know the, the distance between home and work and school needed to be tight. And I think as a result of that, we developed a 
wonderful community in the area where we live. And it's really part of raising a family, I think. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, but a, a lot of the impact he had wasn't directional, specifically responsive to things that he taught, even though they were very varied, but just being around him and seeing the effect that things had on him. Yeah. Which is a weird part of fatherhood because no matter what you do, you're watched all the time. And, you know, your, your foibles and your expressions and, you know, when you swear and when you um, enjoy life a little bit too vivaciously, that affects your children. Uh, and you have to be aware of that, but you don't want to be dishonest about yourself. So, and I kind of saw that with him. Yeah. Well, so the next question I'd written down was, what did you learn from him about fatherhood? So you basically just answered that, but if you want to add anything... Um, he, one of the real special qualities that I would, both, both he and my mother had absolutely unconditional love for us. Um, he, he, unlike me, and Catherine knows this very well, Cat is not Cat at home, she's Catherine. <laughs> Catherine knows this very well is that, um, you know, we are very involved as a lot of parents in the Bay Area who have raised kids who are in their late 20s and early 30s have been. Um, in terms of observing and watching their kids and, and maybe being a little bit too parental too long. My father and mother basically supported us, but really let us make our own decisions and let us know that it was okay and, and it was safe to you know, kind of forge your own path. Hmm. And as a result of that, we gave them virtually no trouble whatsoever, uh, which was kind of boring in retrospect, except for me. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Hey, my dad is a lawyer and his siblings are both doctors um, of different kinds, are and were. My my uncle Michael passed. Um, and my dad is certainly known as the troublemaker. Uh, he drinks more than everyone else, plays his music louder. But uh, there's, a, there's a poster in our basement um, that said, it's like a very short man playing basketball and it says, life short, play hard. And Certainly, it sounds like your work ethic you picked up from both of your parents because Nana also is a tremendously hard worker. Um, but you also have always lived really fully and, and, and played really hard. Um, that's certainly something I learned from you. It sounds like you stay true to yourself, which is what you said in the beginning. Well, well that's, you know, I was listening to the, the show before I came in, and um, the, the effect that fathers have mothers and fathers but this is father's day fathers have on their children you know james's story about not really knowing his father but the figure the illusion of what fatherhood what that father was was incredibly powerful if you're in the lives of your children you have to know that they see and feel everything yes and it's tempting i, I think to pretend that you're uh, this image of a father that you think a father should be but that's deceitful, and you can't do that. So you have to be honest, but you also have to realize the effect that your honesty will have on your children. So it, it goes from you know, when they're really little, um, and you are much more attentive to everything they do, and you live your life a little bit differently. Your life a little bit differently. As they get older, you can you know, reveal yourself a little bit more to them, knowing that they're going to realize that you ain't perfect. You know, exactly. in, in fact, a long ways from perfect, mm -hmm. but it's okay. And they love you anyway. 
Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> no, no, the, no the, we, 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 have, we have a very, very loving family. Um, the, the three kids, Sal and I, we, we enjoy each other's company. Uh, we enjoy different groups and subsets of each other. And the dynamic is, is always changing, even now. Um, it's continuously changing. Yeah. So, uh, But, Teresa, you're absolutely right. The, the, the responsibility, which is friggin' awesome and joyous, but also scary that these creatures, 30-year-old creatures, as well as when they were much younger, <laughs> are like sponges. And uh, you have to be true and explain what you're doing and why you're doing it. You don't have to explain every step of the way. But when they come with questions, if you start BSing them, they sniff it out. They sniff oh, yeah. it out at a very young age. We're so, still sponges, though. Oh, God, Yes. Scares the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask you? But, but so so are we. Yeah. You know, it, it is a two way yeah, street. At definitely. some point, definitely. at some point, you know, the parenthood child dynamic kind of shifts a little bit, and there's a little bit more of an adult to adult dynamic. Or in my case, child to child with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sal's case, it's adult to adult. And you know, as long as you know that, it's cool. Right. And and they know that despite all the. The, the joy and fun you can have in life at the end of the day you got to take care of business business first be responsible you know for yourself for your family um, and then you have the right to express yourself exactly. whether it's whether it's in fun or in social issues and that's something else you know I kind of want to talk about even though it's Father's Day mm-hmm. yeah. um, my mother who was the survivor uh, from Terrazine who passed away earlier this year gave me a, an incredible sense of, of social justice and while I exert or, or experience my social justice by supporting different political causes, I see it in representing railroad workers against the oligarchy. And my God, the, 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 if you want to pick an industry to sue for 37 years, the railroad's a lot of fun because I don't lose any sleep at night doing what I do. Mm-hmm. But the social justice sense, fairness, fundamental fairness, um, unfortunately is a necessary recurring theme. And what we're seeing now is just horrific compared to what I thought we would be seeing in the late 60s and early 70s. You know, when I was realizing the effect that that, uh, greed and power have on people, I thought we would grow. And this this horrific backslide, I think, think is something that can be invigorating, can cause a lot of discussion, but we need action. Absolutely. Um, so you I seem to be that. you seem to be kind of anticipating my questions, which is really interesting. But I'm gonna. Gosh, I, I wonder how that happened. Heredity. <laughs> he hasn't seen the script. I have not. Um, there's no script. I, I was about to say. I don't, don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but I. Um, but I want to ask it anyway because it just to again like deepen, just prod a little deeper. So I want. I wrote. How do you think your parents' experience as Holocaust survivors and your experience as a very young immigrant has shaped you as a father? And again, you just spoke to this ethic of justice. But again, if there's anything else you want to add, if that's something you've been asked or even even uttered before, I'm curious to know. It's part of my DNA. It's just about everything that I do at some level if I stop and think about it, and besides perhaps when I'm playing sports and just lost in, you know, in the, in the mind-body thing of, of playing tennis, for example, or when I played a lot of basketball. Outside of that, you know, it permeates just about everything. Um, you don't always think about it, but it's there. You know, the... the, the I don't want to get too heavy here, but the what, what a mega 
what's the word? Megamaniac. Megamaniacal. There we go. Megamaniacal. Megalomaniac? Yeah, one of Take a bunch of those syllables, take the ones you like. Narcissist with. With power, what what they can do to the lives of ordinary people mm-hmm. yeah. is something that I think about frequently. I'm not suggesting that the current um, situation is akin to the Holocaust, but is akin to power and what people with power can do if they want to have more power. And you know, it's been written. It's, it's, it's 1984. It's Animal Farm. It's you know the history books. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that it's there. And uh, you know, I, I've I've I heard something today called PTSD. It's the President Trump. Uh oh. You ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Are you? Do you remember? No. Okay. <laughs> President no. Trump SD. No, it's 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 uh, President Trump something disorder. We'll come. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll come back. Scary sob disorder, something like that. Well, well, if it I'll if figure it, out. If it Sal jumps, probably knows what it if is. If it jumps up, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So. But it permeates. Yeah. Ab- yes. Um, okay, so finish this sentence. If I've taught you anything at all, I've taught you blank. Are you talking, teaching me or am I teaching you? You, to me. Or Nick or Erica. Okay. If my I've siblings. Taught, to be honest. Touche. Very good. Um, what is one of the most surprising things you've learned as a father? That feeling that I had leaving the hospital the first day when you were born, that the world was suddenly different. It's the it's that awesome cool responsibility. Oh. I just didn't expect it. Wow. You know, just it's a different filter, just like you know the other filters we talked about. That just has an effect on you, and you see the world differently. You live life differently, and it's only you because you were first born. It's um, obviously <laughs> like Ephraim. We we share that uh, that sense of pressure sometimes. Um, but you know, the other thing about about that day that I was born is that um, so I've been told that my dad happened to notice that on the heart rate monitors that my heart rate was going down and my mom's was going up mm-hmm. and it turned out the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck uh, and so the doctor had to manually remove, remove the cord from from my neck so thanks for uh, thanks for that no problem that's <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we do I'm an older child I'm a Firstborn, yes. Well, that yes. explains. There's a trend here. And I'm, the, I'm the baby, though. <laughs> Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Doctor, um, doctor, hmm. Sue. <laughs> okay, so can you share, will you please reflect on two of your fondest memories from fatherhood thus far? He's thinking. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's, all the milestones, and you think about the milestones, the graduations, the the, the revelations. You know, there, there was something that um, I won't go into the details, but you came to Sal and me recently, Catherine, and we had seen something going on, and we shared it with you. And uh, a couple of days later, you had a realization that you know our advice wasn't um, out of left field, and there was something to it. And you came in and, and told us um, that we were right. Not that we have to be right every time, but it's incredibly special when a child can come to you. Not you're a 30-year-old child, but a child can come to you and, and take information, look at the world differently, realize that their perception wasn't quite the reality that's out there, and grow enough to be able to share it. I mean, that's that's one of the things. It's pretty heavy, but that's really special as a parent when... You know, you go you go to this kind of adult adult level, and 
the, the, the child comes to you and acknowledges a perception that they didn't have, that now they have now. That's one of them. The other one, you know, and this is a story I've told often, and it goes back to Jimi Hendrix, Frank, I see you out there. So when we moved into our house, um, Erica, who's the middle child, was about four years old. And she's sitting on the toilet downstairs with the oh, door, door wide open. And she's singing Aqualung at the top of her lungs, you know, a little four-year-old. It's a song you know, by who? Jethro Tull. Aqualung is a song, sitting, song by Jethro Tull. Sitting on a park bench. Oh, snotted, sorry, running down Erica. Her I couldn't and, have anticipated and, well, that. Parents, it's, it's, aren't it's, they wonderful? It, and I was very proud of it. I was, it goes back to the music. I was very proud of it because, you know, she's getting our culture. Um, okay. And... and, and I kind of realized re- in retrospectively that that was just a little thing, but it was so friggin' funny, <laughs> you know. And uh, I was very proud of that. Nice. Very proud of you know all three of you have have uh, um, a, a, a kind of delightfully sinister sense of humor at times, and I take some pride in that. Hmm. I've never. I don't think anyone's ever described my sense of humor as sinister, so that's that's one I'll think about. Well, it's a nice way of saying sarcastic. <laughs> um. So my last my last question, I, I think. Um, is actually not a question. Describe your wildest vision of the world you want your grandchildren, should you be so lucky to have them, <laughs> inherit. Oh, wow. Um, no rush. Well, I, I, I no lived... I, I, no I, I lived. No, I lived the world frequently with lyrics, and, you know, the, the line is, all I want is some peace, love, and understanding. Um, Who is that? I just, I didn't hear what you said. He's rolling his eyes all, at me. All, all we need is some peace, love, and understanding. It's a lyric. I, I have a shirt that I was given, you know, like 75% of my brain is taken up by Music. song lyrics. Um, and Teresa I, doesn't know and, anything and about it would, that. It would, <laughs> it would come to me in a while. But, um, you know, pe- people have to remember um, that everybody from every culture, from every ethnic background, from every religious background, at the very beginning is a you know we can get into the philosophers you know relatively a blank slate without the impression of you know cultural uh stereotypes and and hatreds and and you know people don't for the most part unless somebody has some serious genetic issues or, or chemical issues people can love very easily in every culture um, and going back to song lyrics, you know, Sting had the line, I, I hope the, lo- the Russians love their children too. What's well, a silly question. Of course they do. But we have to kind of erase all of these geographic and, and religious and political lines and just get down to the core of respecting and loving each other. And by doing that, I think a lot of these other social justice issues uh, can be eased in, in a very big way. Um, but unfortunately, people with power tend to, uh, or people who are scared or people in power, tend to create animosity between each other to be able to make themselves feel better, and we keep backsliding. So to answer your question, I would, I would love not just my grandchildren, my unborn, unknown grandchildren, but I would like to you know, spend some years in a hmm. world where there's more of that open understanding and love, and the first impulse is like... I wonder who that person is. I wonder wh- what their values are. I'd love to talk to them rather than they look different than me or, or they're from a different you know, part of the hemisphere, part of the world, or they have a different accent. I learned something recently. I was down at a conference, and there's a lot of folks from the South there. And there's a stereotype that you know, people with this southern accents, you know, you think they're really stupid. Well, they're not. They just have an accent. 
So, so it's as simple as, as that, just to get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's utopian, um, but it's not unreal. It's, it's kind of really reptilian and base, basic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our reptilian main brains with a mammalian brain around it, then the human brain, the core can be love and support rather than fear and hatred. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I'd like to see a lot more of that. That would be really nice. It would be nice. Is there anything either of you want to add before we wrap up the interview? Well, I just think it's amazing to have your dad here in the room with us. I think it's fantastic. And I love the interaction between the two of you. That great sense of humor comes out with um, from both of you. A lot of it should be on the air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's you, you, you got to, you know, you, you got to be yourself and you got to realize the effect that yourself has on other people. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that's sometimes hard. It's usually, uh, for me, I sometimes check it as soon as I've said it or done something. Yeah. You know, some people have governors that are a little bit better than mine, but that's who I am. Mm. Well, I always hear that expression. Oh, I've heard that expression before. You know, you have to be aware of who you are when you walk through the door. You know, that you have to be aware of the impact you have on others when you walk through that door and step into that room. You have to be aware of it, but don't change yourself. No. Just figure figure out how to be yourself. Within that space. Within that space. Exactly that, right. That makes exactly me think right. of, of two words that have been incredibly important for me uh, in the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, integrity and dignity, because as a 30-year-old who in the Bay Area is living with my parents, um, who sometimes agrees and sometimes doesn't with their with the way that they're living their lives. Um, By the way, that's almost a majority demographic these days. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I but I, I love them. Um, and so to find that balance between finding my own inner compass um, and still you know, honoring how much support and nourishment and unconditional love they've given me my whole life um, is is something I'm learning. Um, so it, integrity and dignity. Um, yeah, it's nice. And it makes me miss my dad. Um, but I also appreciate all of the time I had with him. So that's... So it's nice to see the two of you. It, no. it brings back good memories. It's, it's, it's fun, but it doesn't mean you're going to live with us forever. No, definitely not. So thank you, Dad, for being here. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. I love you. I love you, too. Uh, So we're going to take a short, short music break um, right now.
Welcome back. You are listening to 94.1 FM KPFA in Berkeley, and you just heard Sign by Eric Clapton. We also just heard my dad, Anthony Petru, uh, live on air in studio with me and Teresa. And I just want to say thank you again for being on the show. Obviously, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, but specifically your commitment to critical consciousness, your tenacity, and your unshakable faith in me have helped guide me here to KPFA and continue to support my sometimes nervous steps off the beaten track. So thank you again and happy Father's Day. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Tune in next week to Full Circle. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Free Will and Franklin. Joy Moore is our production consultant. We've been your hosts, Teresa Adams and Kat Petru. Special thanks to Sylvia on the ones and twos and Arlene, our tech assistant. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next. Happy, Happy Father's, Father's Day, Day, everyone.